good morning. You can take your seats. Oh, it's great to be with you. You know, I just was thinking as we were worshiping the Lord that uh, we are part of a global family. You know, today there's two and a quarter billion Christians in the world and, uh, and hundreds of millions have just been meeting all over the world today worshiping Jesus. We get to do it first in New Zealand. You know, some people be meeting in cathedrals, some in town halls like this, some in buildings, some in grass huts, some underground because they live in life-threatening situations, but we're all part of God's amazing, amazing family. So I'm David. This is Greta. My claim to fame is I'm Adam's dad. Uh, the, tra the tragedy is when you get older, you're your son's father, and, and he used to be my son. Now I'm his dad. So anyway, I'm, I'm happy with that, but uh, it, we're thrilled to be here. Love this church and... Uh, Love all that God is doing through you. This is my wife, Greta. Our ministry is primarily prophetic, um, and Greta is what we call a seer. And uh, some of you will be like that. Uh, God speaks very much through pictures, dreams, visions, natural signs. So she's going to share something with you for a few minutes that I trust will really bless you. Yes. Well, it's absolutely wonderful to be here. And, you know, God has such incredible plans and purposes globally for the equippers movement we we are entering into incredible days in the earth and you know something the thing that jesus really wants he wants us to understand the times and seasons we're living us so we know what to do and i'm going to share just a very small part of a prophetic word for his global church but it applies to every single one of us here today it is time it is time for change. It is time for shift. And equipers, there are a number of you here right now where the Lord is currently preparing and equipping you for your destiny because it is time for change in New Zealand and the nations. Across the earth, the Lord is also positioning his people as his change agents. He's mobilizing and strategically moving them into influential positions in the world, a little bit like a giant chessboard, locally, nationally, internationally, all spheres of society. He's also raising up a new breed of bold, godly leaders who are passionate for Jesus and who dare to do the right thing. And in this room, God is going to call some of you to step up to new levels of leadership. Another major reason for the shift is to prepare the way for the coming great move of the Spirit across the earth. This is getting closer. God wants us all ready and prepared. An equipper's church across the world, you will play uh, an integral part in this. What I've really sensed is that heaven is actually decreeing change and shift over our nation, New Zealand, and uh, many other nations. We are called to be the E generation. And E stands for explosive. The definition, if you look in the dictionary, explosive means liable to lead to sudden change. And we are in a season of many suddenlies in the earth. This is what we've entered into. It is time for fire and fireworks to release the shift and change. And some of you will know that 2018 is the 70th anniversary of the nation of Israel being reborn. And Israel's 70 year celebrations held in April this year um, are a very 
um, clear prophetic picture for us about this fire and fireworks. It leapt out at me. The, you know how they started their celebration? With a torch lighting ceremony, i.e. fire, followed by the largest fireworks display in the country's history. And why this leapt out at me when I read this in the news is that few weeks before that, the Lord gave me two fireworks dreams. And in the dreams, I saw this vast expanse of night sky and many shining lights that were multicolored rainbow lights. And as I watched, suddenly they all exploded into the spectacular fireworks display with light and color going in all directions. And soon after, the Lord confirmed it several times. Every time we turned on the TV, there was, I saw these magnificent fireworks display of exploding fire and light, just like in the dream. So what does this mean? The shining lights. Philippians 2, 14 to 15, live clean, pure lives. Then you will shine like bright lights in a world full of perverse people. So God is calling us to arise and shine. What do shining rainbow lights mean? Well, in Revelation 4 and Ezekiel 1, a shining rainbow of brilliant light encircles God's throne. Like a rainbow in the clouds, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the glory of the Lord. So the shining light of the rainbow speaks of God's glory. And in the second dream, I heard these words. I will display the splendor of my glory for all to see in the darkness. We are entering Isaiah 60 days where darkness covers the earth and is over all the peoples. But the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The spirit of glory rests upon you. 1 Peter 4.14 God is calling you and me to be vessels of his manifest glory. And why? What is this all about? This is the era of the greatest harvest and move of the spirit on the earth we have ever seen. That's what it's all about. It's a new era of evangelism for the salvation of the nations and a new era of signs, wonders, and miracles unprecedented to accompany the gospel, which brings us to the exploding fireworks in the dream. And we have a PowerPoint coming up. It is time to expand the kingdom of God like explosive fireworks. I heard these words in the first dream. Go do fireworks, i.e. works of fire, supernatural works of the Holy Spirit of signs, wonders, and miracles. It is time and for um, God to start releasing his power to enable us to do this. And Jesus is saying to us, go do the largest fireworks display in our country's history, like Israel. It is time for more fire. God is taking the fire to another level to empower us to be his burning witnesses and to do these fireworks. And in December last year, I had two dreams about tongues of fire. And in the first dream, um, I saw writing on a scroll in heaven. And one of the points in the scroll was all about tongues of fire and this scripture from Acts 2. 
Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the whole house. They saw tongues of fire that came to rest on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord is wanting this great outpouring to include all of us. In the second dream, I saw tongues of fire falling on God's people in many places across the earth. And Jesus said, I'm about to release tongues of fire upon everyone who wants it. I will raise up an army of burning ones as my fire falls. And God is calling equippers across the world to be part of that great army of burning ones that will, will walk in the love and power of the Holy Spirit across this, the, the nations. And heaven is putting this cry in the hearts of God's people everywhere. Spirit come, fire fall, and as we pray it, God will do it. You know, we've uh, noticed the last few years God releasing fire across the church. Fire is passion and zeal and power in three areas, a fresh fire of prayer, a fresh fire of mission, and a fresh fire of hunger for God. And he's really determined that he will have an E, I love that, an E generation. I know you'd have E groups and E stuff, but uh, explosive. And you know, I was thinking about works of fire, what are they? Well, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. And works of fire are works of love and works of supernatural power. And so, you know, you can show love to others. Love can melt hearts. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about how to release healing power. And if you need a healing touch, there will be prayer tomorrow night. But I want to back on to Greta's word this morning because so often we hear a prophetic word like that. Hey, God's going to do amazing things in the earth. And, uh, and so we hear that for our church, for the church worldwide. Perhaps you have prophetic words that have been spoken over you. And by the way, Ed and Destiny, um, Greta mentioned stepping up. I just see like you're just going to go to a whole new level in this next uh, 12, 18 months. It's like God's going to equip you for uh, new realms of leadership, new authority, uh, new capacities coming. Uh, you know, I know your nephew and nieces might have tired you out, but I think that, you know, God's just going to give you increased capacity to, to lead the people of God. And so, and you know, um, the, the fire of hunger is already starting to burn in you for more of him. And you've been saying lately, it's got to be some more, Lord. And you know, while you're thankful for everything that God has given you, uh, there's a holy dissatisfaction he's just starting to put into you. Come on, son, daughter, uh, I'm going to do more in your life. I'm pulling you closer into me. And as you respond to that, you know, the Bible says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And that's a great promise. So we, you know, a lot of us have got prophetic words, dreams, hopes, um, desires in our heart that are God-given. And yet I've, as Greta and I travel around, we, we meet so many Christians living with disappointment because their dreams, their prophetic words have not been fulfilled. And there are various reasons for that. You know, we're meant to mix it with faith. Every prophecy is an invitation uh, to intercession. So, you know, we've got to pray things. But a few years ago, the Lord gave me uh, or revealed to me an incredible secret uh, as to how dreams and visions can be fulfilled. And I want to share that with you today. Um, I was some years ago praying uh, that the Lord would give me a word for the coming year. And I like to do that every end of one year, beginning of another year. And so I was praying, and, and I was reading in my 
Bible and I follow a reading guide, and that's a really good thing to do, by the way. Get a, get a reading guide, read the Bible through in a year is a really profoundly wonderful thing for you to do. How many have read the whole Bible? Let me see your hand. Okay, not many. Oh, about half of you. That's pretty good, actually. Um, but just get a guide. And so I was following my guide, and my reading for the day took me to Psalm 37, 34. It says, Do not be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along his path. And that really spoke to me. I thought, okay, Lord, what you're saying this year is persevere, patience, endurance, just one foot in front of another. And I really got it. Well, the same day, a prophetic friend who I really respect, he rang me. He said, listen, I've got a word for you from the Lord. I thought, wow, here comes confirmation of the steadily word. This is great. This is how God works. He said, my word for you is Malachi 3.1. The Lord you're seeking will come suddenly to his temple. And I thought, hmm, thank you very much, I said, and got off the phone. I said, all right, Lord, one of us has got this wrong because those are opposites. Yeah, I think, I think you're saying steadily. He thinks you're saying suddenly. So which of us is correct? And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, both are correct. Too many of my people want my suddenlies without being willing to walk steadily. If you will walk steadily and keep seeking me, there will be suddenlies. And I realized that what the Lord was saying is that these are opposites that we're meant to not polarize around like one or the other, but hold both together in tension. There's many truths in the Word of God that are opposites that are not meant to be polarized over, but meant to be held together. Like He is the God of justice who will punish sin, but He's also the God of mercy that will forgive sin. You've got to hold those two things together. We've got We've got Christians that build around he's the God of justice and it's all going to be judgment and doom and gloom and punishment. And we've got Christians that go to the extreme emphasis, well, he's a God of mercy and he'll just you know, let you get away with anything you want. The truth is in holding both together. There's accountability, there's forgiveness. And so I realized that steadily and suddenly were two opposites that we're meant to hold together. Someone wrote this, don't be ruled by the tyranny of the awe but rather by the genius of the end. I like that statement. So let's talk about walking steadily for a moment. In uh, Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of a sower. It says, uh, a farmer went out to plant some seed. Some fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the plants sprang up quickly, but they soon wilted beneath the hot sun, <coughs> excuse me, and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. You see, if you get a suddenly too quickly, you won't have the character to handle the harvest that God wants to give you. And sometimes with, if a breakthrough or a suddenly is being withheld, it's not that God's reluctant, it's not that God's mean, it's actually that he's kind, he's gracious, because he doesn't want to see you ruined by the, the inheritance, by the breakthrough, by the suddenly, if you get it prematurely. We all know the story, the prodigal son, he got his inheritance too quickly and it ruined him and he lost everything. And so if it springs up too quickly, then it can be dangerous. I clipped this um, newspaper clipping uh, from a British newspaper a few years ago. It just says, man who blew a lottery fortune dies penniless. 
says a nine million pound lottery winner. That's about 16 million New Zealand dollars. A nine million pound lottery winner who blew his money on drinking, racehorses, and football has died penniless after suffering a heart attack brought on by financial worries. Now I know what you're thinking. Say, test me, Lord. I will not fail that test. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, some of you. But he, he never had the character to handle it. In Luke 8, 15, Jesus says this, uh, same parable, Luke's commentary. The good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's message, cling to it, and steadily, here's our word, steadily produce a huge harvest. How will you become a fruitful Christian? Every one of us is going to face a judgment day one day where we stand before the Lord. And we've got some copies of our book, Afterlife, out in the foyer. The judgment of believers is to determine the level of our reward. And you know, on that day, how do you become a fruitful Christian? Well, I've found like it's not like a sudden skyrocket thing where, you know, you skyrocket into fame and, and glory. It's like you just steadily walk with the Lord every day. It's like you just make the right choice every day. It's like you have a downer, well, you get up again the next day and you get going again. You know, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord and he delights in their way. Though they fall, they will not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds them with his hand. And you know, <clears throat> the way that you bear amazing, amazing fruit is over longevity of time. It's not just how you lived one day or one week or one month. It's like day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year of consistency, walking with the Lord. Yeah, you may have some downers. You may have some tumbles. You may do some things you regret, but you get up again. You say, Lord, I'm sorry for that. And you just keep going all the days of your life. I started out this Christian life with a whole bunch of people, some of whom now are no longer following the Lord. They fell by the wayside. They forgot that it's not just about suddenlies, but it's also about steadilies. You know, in Habakkuk 2 verse 3, I love this in the New Living Translation, it says, slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Slowly, steadily, surely. Most prophetic promises, most prophetic words, dreams, visions, God-given desires that he puts in your heart will go through that process of slowly, steadily, surely. You know, sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes God speaks and then pow, it just happens. I love those times, but they are rare. And most of the time, for the dream that you're carrying, the prophetic word you've got that's been spoken over you, the vision that you have, the desire in your heart that God has given you, most of those will go through that process of slowly, It'll seem like it's taking forever and it steadily and then surely. And what I've discovered is a lot of Christians give up in the slowly face. It's like the devil talks them out of the fulfillment of the dream because just waiting gets wearying. And if you get tired in waiting and you give away the dream and you give away the hope, what you've got to do instead is add your steadily to the slowly. And if you will add your steadily to the slowly, you will get a surely. You know, I used to be a maths teacher at high school. I loved maths. 
Man, I, you know, how many love maths? You know, quadratic equations, simultaneous equations, integration, differentiation. There's a lying spirit on the front row over there. I can see that. <coughs> and for those of you, excuse me, my voice is a bit husky this morning. Um, for those of you who didn't put your hand up, well, good news, in heaven there'll be maths classes. Because every perfect thing is in heaven. So I figure maths has got to be in heaven. So, hallelujah, you, you'll be a great mathematician when you get there. But here's a simple formula, church. Slowly plus steadily equals surely. Come on, class, I want you to say it after me this morning. Here we go. Slowly plus steadily equals surely. If you will add your steadily to the seeming endless slowly, you'll get a surely that surely that thing will come to pass because no word goes out of God's mouth that returns to him empty. The converse of this is if all you have is the steadily, as important as that is, it can leave you with the feeling that the effort is all ours and we lose the mystery and the wonder of God breaking through in a sudden moment of deliverance and fulfillment. And so to our steadily concept, we've got to have an expectation of suddenlies. You know, God acts suddenly in history. I counted up on my Bible search the other day. The word suddenly occurs 142 times in the Bible. That's a lot of times. And I love Isaiah 48 verse 3. It says, long ago, long ago I told you what was going to happen. Then suddenly I took action and all my predictions came true. Long ago and suddenly. We all want the suddenlies, but sometimes God speaks long ago, and there's a big time between when he spoke and when it will be fulfilled. When I was first married to my first wife, Jane, um, I was in my really early 20s, and We'd only been married about a month, and then I had this amazing dream. And in the dream, I saw my wife and I traveling to the nations of the world, preaching the word of God. Not in every nation, but a number of nations. And I got so excited. I mean, I was a young, uh, I was a young pastor, uh, or training to be a pastor, and a mass teacher. And I thought, wow, the nations. Here comes the next Billy Graham. I'm on the rise. I'm on the rise. And you know what? God has had thousands of years of dealing with ambitious young people, older people, and he knows how to kill ambition in our lives. So I got this dream, like, wow, this is exciting. And when we got married, I knew that Jane had a disease called multiple sclerosis, but she is in remission. She was in good health at the time of our wedding. And, uh, but, you know, some years, about five or six years into our marriage, um, the disease kicked in and Turns out she had the very worst type. She just kept getting worse and worse. And finally, she couldn't do anything for herself. Uh, and so I became her caregiver for, for six, the next 16 years of her life. And just during that time, as she was getting worse and worse, this dream would keep coming back. And I'd think like, wow, Lord, how are we going to do that with her in a wheelchair? The only way that'll work is if you miraculously heal her. So in my mind, I thought, okay, for the dream to be fulfilled, healing must come. So I just kept praying. I prayed for healing. Every time there was a healing person around, she got prayed for. But she just kept getting worse and worse. 
And there was a time, I must confess, many years into this, that I just got heart sick. Because you know, Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I said one day to the Lord, Lord, this is how I'm feeling. It's like I've had this dream that we're meant to go to the nations. And I love my wife and I want to see her healed and whole. But Lord, I've been praying for 15, 20 years for a miracle of healing. And she just keeps getting worse. And, and I just feel heart sick. Because, you know, when you wait endlessly, that's what can happen. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, son, you've forgotten the second part of that proverb. And the second part of Proverbs 13, 12, if you look it up, it says, if uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And I thought, wow. And then he said this. He said, I'm going to change the season over your life. You've been in a season of hope deferred. I'm going to now change it to a season of desire fulfilled. What's more, he said, many of my people have been in a season like that. I'm going to change the season over their lives to one of desires fulfilled. I thought, wow, that means she's going to be healed. You know, in the prophetic, there's revelation. Then there's interpretation. And often we get it wrong at that point. We assume that it means this. We assume the outcome is going to be a certain thing. And I assume, well, that means that she's going to be healed. And so I just prayed harder and tougher. And, and in the end, she got worse and worse, got pneumonia and passed away um, more than 10 years ago now. And I was heartbroken. And I remember just going down to the bedroom where her body was and paramedics had been and trying to resuscitate or couldn't. And I just said, Lord, I don't understand why you haven't healed Jane, and, uh, but Lord, you give, you take away, blessed be your name. Just because I don't understand doesn't mean that I'm going to be offended. I'm going to praise you in this. I'm going to bless you in it. I don't understand it. I'm hurting. I'm disappointed. But Lord, I also tell you, I'm going to promise to keep praying for the sick. And I made that promise on Jane's deathbed. Now we've seen hundreds of people healed all over the earth. But, but at that moment, the dream was dead. Okay, well, that's not going to be fulfilled, is it? And so we had the funeral, and, and a week after the funeral was like one of the darkest times of my life. You know, when you lose a loved one and you have the funeral and it's all busy for the few weeks, a week or two after the funeral, everything settles down. Everyone else goes back to their normal life, but you're left with your new reality. It can be a very dark time. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. It's so dark. You've got to help me, Jesus. And uh, five minutes after I prayed that prayer, my mobile phone beeped. It wasn't a text message from God, but from a friend. And uh, he was saying to me, hey, my wife's just part. I knew his wife had been having an operation. And uh, he was letting me know she was fine. And then he finished the text by saying, uh, she's seen Jane phone me. And I'm thinking like, what is he saying? Jane's been dead 12 days. Um, and so I phoned him. I said, what do you mean your wife saw Jane? Well, she said, he said, she said that under the operation, under the anesthetic, her spirit left her body and she went into heaven. And so I spoke with her. I said, what did you see? She said, I was expecting to see someone important like Jesus or Paul or Moses, but I saw Jane. <laughs> She's Scottish, got an unusual sense of humor. So I said, well, what, what did she look like? And she said, well, she looked young again. You know, Jane was 56 when she passed away. She had long hair. Well, she had short hair when she passed away. She was standing up, hadn't been able to stand for 21 years. She had her hands lifted up, praising God, hadn't been able to do that for 17 or 18 years. 
and she looked youthful and young. And then she saw me and she smiled and she walked towards me and she said this, she said, I'm home. She said, I felt such love coming from her. It told me that heaven is a place of perfected love. And you know, when she shared that with me, it's like a bit of light began to penetrate in my darkness. You know, in that valley of the shadow of death, the light began to shine. And just over the next weeks and months, as I read the Bible and read things like to live as Christ, to die as gain, to depart and be with Jesus is better by far. When you come to heaven, you come to the spirits of redeemed people made perfect. It encouraged me. I said, Lord, you gave her a vision. I want one as well. I just pestered the Lord for a few weeks. And finally, he gave me a number of visions of heaven. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. And when I made a decision to no longer grieve, uh, my loss, but Jane's celebrate Jane's gain, something switched in my heart, and God brought healing. And, and within five months of her death, I was feeling completely healed and whole of grief. And for those of you who've gone through grief, you know that's supernatural. Grief can take years, maybe even a lifetime. You don't forget the person, uh, but the memories become good and the pain fades. And so I was even at the point where I said, Lord, I'm open to being remarried again. It's not good for a person to live alone, so if that, but you take care of it. And I was uh, reading in the Bible sometime later about how Jacob met his wife, Rachel. And in the New Living Translation I was reading, it just says about Rachel, she was uh, beautiful in every way with a lovely face and a shapely figure. I read that and I said, Lord, I want one of those. I'm putting in my order for one of those. That sounds really good to me. <clears throat> a couple of weeks later, I'm getting into bed one night, and I have a vision of a woman. Comes to me three times in the night. I see her clearly, uh, what she looks like, her hair color, her, what she's wearing. And I think, wow, maybe that's my future wife. Then my son and I went on an overseas trip for a, a recuperation trip for about six weeks. And as I'm flying back into Auckland, New Zealand, at the end of that trip, I said, Lord, you said... I was going to be in a new season of desire fulfilled. So I'm believing you that as this plane touches down, that season's starting, and part of that is meeting somebody else. You bring it to me, Lord, because I'm not going hunting. I figured if God could bring Eve to Adam, he could bring somebody to me. You know, when you get to a certain age, you really don't want to be into all that dating <laughs> stuff, and you know, it's just like, God, just do it, just do it. If you're young, just get out there and meet a lot of people, but... Um, and so I get home, and five days later, I go to our Bible college to do a lecture, and the dean of students comes up and hands me a letter. He says, I'm really sorry. This letter came three months ago, and it got lost in my files. Here it is. And so intrigued, I did the lecture. Then I went out to the car, and I opened the letter. It was from Greta. We had never met, um, and uh, she had just seen a message of mine on, on a website talking about how to handle grief. And I didn't know that two months after Jane, her husband, Ron, passed away, suddenly went to be with the Lord in heaven. And, and you know, what she saw of me speaking on this message uh, really impacted her heart. And I'd like to say she was so blown away by my handsome good looks uh, that she wrote a letter. But now she said, I actually thought you looked a bit funny because uh, I am Middle Eastern. And, uh, and so she sends this letter just to say, thank you so much. It really meant a lot to her watching that message. And so I just replied a bit embarrassed that three months had gone by and I replied by email and we just started exchanging emails. And uh, I knew something strange was happening about 10 days into this process 
because I was running to the computer every morning to power it up to see if I've got mail from this woman that I'd never met in my life. You know that movie by Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, You've Got Mail? Well, I was living it, let me tell you. And, uh, and so we began to share and exchange emails, and the more we shared, the more I thought, I really, really like her. And, uh, and then I said one day, I said, listen, um, you've seen Jane and me on our website, um, but I have no concept of you and Ron. Would you mind sending a photo of yourselves? And uh, I didn't really care what Ron looked like. I wanted to check her out. So she got to be cunning. You just got to be. He got to be craft. I've taught Adam everything he knows. And uh, that's why he's got Aisha now, I tell you. Crafty. And... Uh, and so she sends this, this photo, and when I open it, she's the woman in the vision. Okay, Lord. And so we met, and we, you know, falling in love, and you know, six months after we got, I got the letter, we were married. Now, I want to say to the young people, don't try that at home. <laughs> okay, like that is really fast. But we'd had, we'd had a, a two good marriages for many years, and so I guess God could entrust us. Now, the point of the story is two months after we were married, we stepped out into full-time itinerant ministry. And now my wife and I are traveling to the nations of the earth, preaching the word of God. It took more than 30 years for the suddenly to come. 30 years of steadily. I almost thought the dream is dead. It'll never appear. But God knew if he speaks something, even though it looks dead to you, it shall live. He's the God of the resurrection. I don't know what dreams you feel are dead. I don't know what visions you feel are dead in you today. But you keep trusting God. If he's spoken it, he will do it. I mean, back when I got the dream, I couldn't conceive how it would be outworked because I assumed my wife meant Jane. But God knew that he'd bring greater into my life, and now we would fulfill that vision that he spoke all those years ago. No word that goes out of my mouth will return empty. That's what the Lord says. Will accomplish what I purpose and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Sometimes you suddenly comes in a way that you don't expect or in a way that you may not even want. I think of Joseph, had a dream that he'd be a ruler. Well, there was a 13-year steadily process of him becoming a slave and a prisoner, where I think maybe he thought the dream was dead. But then suddenly, Pharaoh called for him, and he brought him out of prison. And in one hour and in one day, he went from being a prisoner to being prime minister of Egypt. God, when suddenlies come, they change everything. And I believe there's a whole lot of suddenlies that God is wanting to hatch out in this room. You know, we so want the suddenlies, but sometimes we're not willing to do the steadilies. And I think the converse of suddenly is if you only focus on suddenlies, you can end up believing in a God of the magic wand who just at your one prayer will wave his magic wand and suddenly all your problems will go. And God's not like that. He's not fairy godmother. He's not Father Christmas. He's Father God. 
And what he wants to give you is not only your suddenly, but he wants the steadily and the slowly and the surely process to so form within you godly character that when you step into your suddenly, you'll not blow it. You'll not be bowled over by the devil, but you'll have grace on you. You'll have God on you. You'll have love on you. You'll have humility on you. The ambition will have gone. You haven't even wanted that thing, and yet God gives it back to you. Why? Because then the glory and the honor goes to him. And so to the suddenly concept, we must add the steadily. Often we want suddenlies without seeking. That Malachi 3 one says, if you'll keep seeking, there'll be suddenlies. We want revival and spiritual awakening without praying. Look, all through history, when God's moved over a nation, it started with somebody calling on God. Evan Roberts, a young man in his early 20s in Wales, for six months, he cried, God, give me Wales. And after six months, and a band of teenagers gathered around him, they began to seek God. The Welsh revival broke in 1904, and over 100,000 people came to Christ in six months because somebody began to say, God, if we'll call on you, if we'll cry out to you, then you could bring us suddenly to the nation of Wales. And I know that, you know, there have been many moves of the Spirit, and I believe that Greta's is right. There's going to be an explosion of God in the nations of the earth because my Father's not willing for anybody to perish. And before Jesus comes back, he's going to be a massive harvest of billions of souls brought into the kingdom of God. And if we will steadily walk in evangelism and steadily walk in prayer and steadily hunger for more of God, there will be suddenly, some of those suddenlies will be your loved ones coming into the kingdom, that healing that you need, that breakthrough that you need. I think we're about to see many more suddenlies coming into the earth because I think it's a season of suddenlies. I believe that holding the opposites of steadily and suddenly together is very powerful. By the way, I meant to say as I shared my testimony this morning that uh, out of my journey with Jane of those uh, many years of her being in a wheelchair, 21 years, God taught us how to have hope in dark times. And I wrote a book called Hope, Finding the Gateway to a Better Future. And in this book, I share the secrets that God shared with me. Son, this is how you can maintain hope in darkness. This is how you can maintain hope when everything seems lost. This is how you can turn your valleys of trouble into gateways of hope. And this book is full of stories and teaching and testimony on just how you can transform troubled times into gateways of hope, how you can find hope in darkness. And so those are available in the foyer today. And if you know somebody that needs hope or you need an injection of hope yourself, just get a hold of a copy. Love to give that one away. Anyone like it? Just, uh, you would like it, okay, I'll leave it here for you. You can come and get it at the end. Oh, thank you. That's great. Holding the opposites of steadily and suddenly together is powerful. And if I can take the liberty of putting the two scriptures together, this is what we read. Do not be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along his path, and the Lord you're seeking will come suddenly to his temple. And I guess what I want to leave you with today, church, is these two words, steadily, suddenly. If we'll do the steadilies, he will do the suddenlies. Steadily, suddenly. If we'll do the steadilies, he will do the suddenlies. And in a moment, Jane, uh, sorry, Greta and I are going to pray that God will release some suddenlies into this place. But before we do that, there is one suddenly that can happen in the next few minutes. 
Bible says today is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time. There's probably people in this room that you've been brought by a friend and you're not a believer in Christ. Or maybe you once believed in Jesus, but you no longer walk with him. The Bible says simply in John 1.12, as many that receive Jesus who believe in his name, he gives them power to become children of God. And there might be here, people here today that you're not yet a child of God. And you don't become a child of God by being good because nobody be, can, can be good enough to be acceptable to God. He's so holy. He's so good. Not even your best day will measure up to his standards. You don't become a child of God by being religious and coming to church and doing a whole lot of religious things because that's you trying to earn it. Salvation is a gift from God. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough for it. We've all sinned and done wrong things in this room. And Jesus came and he died on a cross for you and for me. He hung there taking the punishment for your sins and wrong on himself so that you could be forgiven if you turned to him. And Father in heaven would welcome you as a son or daughter of his. So that when you die, you will spend eternity with the Lord in heaven and not separated from him in hell. The Bible says God is not willing that any perish but that all would come to have everlasting life. So this morning, there's many here that want to receive Jesus, who believe that He is the Savior of the world. You can become a child of God, and I'd love to pray for you and with you that that could happen. And right now, I'm going to ask us just to all close our eyes so we can concentrate. And if that's you, you're saying, yeah, I need Jesus in my life this morning. If you're in one of the telecasts, in one of the assemblies you're just watching right now on TV. You can be part of this. So whether you're here or whether you're in another location, could I say to you, if you want to give your life to Jesus or you need to come back to Him today, just quickly raise your hand right where you're sitting. Just hold it up high. I'll spot it. You can put it down. Someone up there on the right, God bless you. Anyone else, just quickly. Over here on my left, thank you, young man. Anyone else? Just in the other churches that are watching in, if you want to do that, just over here. God bless you over here on my right. Thank you. Anyone else? Just quickly, just hold your hand up high. When I acknowledge it, you'll be able to put it down. Just raise your hand. You know, sometimes fear will stop you. Oh, what are people going to think? Don't worry what people will think. It's what God thinks that really matters. Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father. And so right now, just throw your hand in the air. You know you need to give your life to Christ or come back to Him. Just quickly hold it up, leave it up. I'll acknowledge it. Is there anyone else going to join these three or four folk that have said, yeah, that's me. I'm giving my life to Jesus or coming back. All right, I don't see anyone else. Let's all stand, church. Sweetheart, could you come and join me? We're going to pray with the three or four folk that, uh, raise their hands. And what we're going to do is we're all going to pray this prayer together. And if you were one of the ones that raised your hand, I want you to especially pray this and mean it with all your heart. Whether you're giving your life to Christ for the first time or coming back to Him, then pray it and mean it with all your heart. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me today for all my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, for every wrong thing I've done. And I turn from them 
and I turn to you. I believe you died on a cross for me and that you rose again from the dead and you live. Lord Jesus, I now open the door of my heart and ask you to come and live in me. I now receive you and I give you permission to be Lord of my life all my days. Give me power to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, God has done that. And Pastor Ed will just uh, in a moment tell you maybe a next step that you can take. Honey, just share with us right now. I feel the Lord just wants to release um, great grace and a spirit of perseverance to those who are walking through those long, steady seasons. And He wants to release faith and an expectation for the suddenlies that are coming. So let's just pray. Oh, Father, I thank you that you see and know and you, you look on with great compassion those that are walking through the long, steady season. Right now, Lord, would you impart your great grace and a spirit of faith, Lord, to expect the future. I just release His grace to you now. Just receive His grace will strengthen and empower you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you are the God of suddenlies. And the Lord, there are many here. You have been praying steadily. You have been walking trustingly and patiently. And the Lord is about to release the suddenness in your life. And in Jesus' name, I speak suddenness. I release angels of breakthrough into your lives. I speak miracles of provision. I speak miracles of healing. Somebody needs a new job. I call it forth in the name of Jesus. You know, whatever your suddenly is, maybe it's the salvation of a loved one. Maybe it's a healing, a breakthrough. Maybe it's a dream that you've got that you just long for that dream to be fulfilled. You know, I believe God is a good God. He's not mean. He's not reluctant. And I just want you to lift that dream up. I want you to lift that loved one up. I want you to lift that, lift that person up that needs to know God. I want you to lift up that mountain that needs moving. And we just decree Holy Spirit over everyone's lives. Lord, I, I decree a season of suddenlies in this church that there will be many testimonies that come forth in the next few months of people having sudden breakthroughs, sudden miracles, sudden deliverances, sudden salvations, people that just weren't interested in God, suddenly turning to God, healings that, that we've been waiting for forever, suddenly taking place. I speak and release suddenlies. Would you open heaven over every life that's seeking you, over every life that'll keep walking steadily in faith. And Lord, I'm asking you to release angels of breakthrough from heaven to begin to orchestrate suddenlies. I speak into the spiritual realm over this church. Suddenlies, let them come in Jesus' mighty name. Let them come. Breakthroughs, let them come. Miracles, let them come in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you a praise, Lord. Come on, why don't you thank Him for that miracle, for that release.